Well, it was a dark and stormy night, Dustin, where we gathered for, for this this uh, iteration right. of the Hoopercast. There too. What? There too. Oh yeah, it's it's messy. Can you hear a bunch of feedback in my microphone? No, not at all. There's hmm. so much static in my ears right now. It's I. It's really. It's, it's nuts, and I think it's the rain. Mm. I think the rain's yeah. screwing with me. Yep, I, I just hear my rain out the window. Um, hi, <laughs> and welcome to the Hoopercast Movie Hour, everybody. We are gathered today, tonight, at this point in time, to talk about some stuff. So, we decided to get cultured this week, uh, talking yes. about uh, these popcorn movies and Marvel and this and that. And uh, so, decided to talk about some classic films uh classic yeah. japanese cinema and we started well we got your yeah. jimbo up first yeah that's a little bit from the trailer for Yojimbo. This is directed by Akira Kurosawa. Um, was released in 1961, I believe. Yeah. And it is currently streaming on HBO Max as part yes. of their Criterion uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say collection, but it's called the Criterion Collection. It's part of their Criterion collection hub. of criteria they're calling them hubs hubs okay yeah. hubs this is my hubs <laughs> my hubs <laughs> my hubs all right so you saw yojimbo i did not dustin yes i did all right what do you think of this film uh yeah i i i enjoyed yojimbo it took a little bit to get into it so i i have not seen a ton of akira kurosawa but of course um seven samurai is one of the best movies ever made probably. Yep. Um, so I was very eager to eventually get around to seeing more of his work. Um, so I saw um, Ikiru uh, and then, and then this and the movie we're going to talk about next. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so in terms of, of movies, uh, this was, this was good. Like I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and I'm trying to find my, my star rating here. Yeah. So I gave it four stars. Um, it's, it's, um, it's not perfect. Um, and it does take a little bit to get into. And I could see how some with more modern sensibilities might have issues with this, um, with the pacing, with the storytelling. And of course, if you're not a naked, a native, ja- I almost said a naked <laughs> Japanese figure. <laughs> <laughs> That's something very different. Uh, they show these I speak Japanese, the, but only when I'm naked. The bathhouses in uh, in Tokyo, they're showing near Jimbo. Yes, hey, you're, you're naked. Na- You'll like this. <laughs> yes, if you're not a native Japanese speaker, um, of course, it, it, there's a little bit of a curve to it as well. Anyway, sure. Um, so. Um, the story goes, Yojimbo is actually, I guess, roughly translated to The Bodyguard. Um, and it stars Toshiro Mifune, of course. Um, was this the first plays, of his, No, sorry, this was not. It's not the first. Um, yeah. he, I think he made like 13 movies. 16, with, I think it was. 16, good lord. Yeah, um, I'll find out. Go ahead. A ton of yeah, yeah. Fact check is on that, um, and uh, and so he plays a Ronin with no name, um, 
who enters a small village in Japan. It's this, it's, you know, during like feudal Japan era. And there are two rival gangs that have taken over this town. And he sees an opportunity to um, kind of pit the two against each other, make a little bit of money. And then maybe eventually he'll clean up the town. But it's not like he's this uh, perfect, uh, you know, samurai who's like, I'm just going to rid the town of evil. And that'll be my payment. He's more like, yeah, if I can make some money, I'm going to make some money. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, what what's interesting to me about this, and you you may have picked up on this even from just my retelling, is it's very, uh, very much in the shape of an American western, like. American Westerns must have picked up on what Akira Kurosawa was doing with the samurai flicks. And they kind of had this symbiotic relationship where they were both evolving sort of together. Um, you know, obviously the seven samurai was later adapted as the Magnificent Seven. And, you know, it's been great adapted and readapted. Um, so. Uh, you know, the, the, these two genres are very similar. And I think that's why I like them so much. Um, I like a good Western and I like a good samurai flick. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we've liked the Mandalorian as much as we have yep. is it's very much in this style. Um, so, so I really enjoyed this. Um, obviously this, uh, samurai with no name, uh, seems to be, um, probably inspired a little bit of the man with no name uh, trilogy that Clint Eastwood did. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, man, like I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I will say with this one, you know, so um, when I saw this, the only three Kurosawa films I'd seen seven samurai uh, Rashomon and Akiru. And this was probably the least accessible um, to me. It took the longest to get into it. Um, to kind of understand what was happening and be bought into it. Um, and maybe that's because I went in with some preconceived notions that like, this is going to be like an honor bound samurai who's out to clean up the town. And he wasn't quite that. And so I was confused, like, wait, why is he trying to make money? Like, and so that was my own like sort of stereotype coming into the movie, like, oh, this must be a noble warrior. Um, but he, he's not really. And so, um, so, yeah, I, I would say this is probably the least accessible, uh, but that may have just been my personal bias. But look, I, I still gave it four stars. You can't fault the way this film was made. And the last act is fantastic. So if you're if you can hang on for two acts, uh, you will get something out of the last one, um, even if you don't of the first two. So um, four stars. I really enjoyed it and I would watch it again. Um, so, you know, this continues the powerhouse that is Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune. This film was unofficially remade by Sergio Leone um, as Fistful yes. of Dollars and they were sued over it. Yes. Um, and they had to settle out of court because it was pretty directly you know there's yeah. plot elements and shots and characters it's yeah. you know it was worth it probably and, but <laughs> and so i've never seen a fistful of dollars but i've seen um a good the good the bad and the ugly obviously yeah and and so you know it's very much in the vein of that like blondie character that clean eastwood plays um that just kind of has become a staple of westerns right so so yeah i mean if you're into westerns i think you'd get something out of this for sure yeah uh, I haven't seen any of the Dollars trilogy. It's a okay. blind spot of mine, as well as gotcha. Kira Kurosawa. So we're into this uh, 
area of movies that I just don't know anything about. <laughs> I, I would recommend uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It's very accessible. It's a long movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a good movie. All right. It's a great movie. Um, so you said this was four stars? Yeah, four stars. All right. Do you... Let's move on into the next film then uh, since we're talking about Kurosawa. We got another one here. We also have... This was released three years prior, 1958. We mm-hmm. have uh, The Hidden Fortress. So that's a little bit there from the trailer for The Hidden Fortress. This is also directed by Akira Kurosawa, as mentioned before. Also on HBO Max as part of the Criterion Collection collection. Um, mm-hmm. This um, we both checked this one out, and um, what you saw and heard in the trailer was um, what was a very impressive scale for a film, especially at this time. I think this film, and I think according to the information in the trailer, it took five years to film. Um, wow! And uh, it's a very uh, impressive uh production um i'm gonna say dustin um i didn't finish this movie okay. <laughs> this is what i did not tell you beforehand <laughs> okay yeah that's why i said we both wa- watched we clicked play yes. at the beginning of this film well how far um, did you get i got about an hour in okay uh, this is a two hour and 18 i believe minute film it's long and for me i couldn't i got to a point where i i i, I just didn't it didn't matter to me what happened i was like okay well I've, i tried to watch this over two nights and i can't do it so yeah. i had to wave the white flag and, and tap out sure. um but this film is another um classic from kurosawa that is sort of welded its way into pop culture whether people realize it or not this film very heavily influenced george lucas in the making of star wars uh it is about a couple of peasants in i'm not sure what year it is in japan um but there's they're in the middle of like this civil war and they come across um a guy has them guide him and this woman that they don't realize is a princess who is being sought after for a bounty during this civil war um and so the tashira mifune is playing this samurai general who is uh going to pay them some gold promises them some gold if they help move everyone uh, to this place they're going to. I want um, the gold. Give me the gold. They want the gold. Then uh, <laughs> they know where the gold's at, but he very easily is like, I'm not giving you any gold. And they're like, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> and um, it's very much uh, influenced his decision, George Lucas's decision to have Star Wars open with two unimportant characters, the droids, running into you know obi-wan kenobi and we're tr- we're gonna get we're gonna go to princess Leia, and we're gonna get prince we're gonna rescue the princess and you know oh you're a princess you know so this is one of those things where you get into it and it might be a little bit of the john carter syndrome for me where it's like i'm i'm so familiar with this subject that i feel like uninterested by it 
Um, sure. And it's also, again, it's just a film that was made 60 years ago. It's probably just the pace. It's just the pace and the unfortunate slash fortunate familiarity with what's going on with it that, that made me sort of disengage. But that is just me. How about you, Dustin? Because you told me you liked this more than your Jimbo. Yes, I like it. I like it more than your Jimbo, and, and I think it. I think it is more accessible. So, um, I, I would say this: if if you had a, if you had a hard time with Hidden Fortress, you're gonna probably gonna have a harder time with your Jimbo. Um, that's just my take on it. I mm-hmm. did. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I liked this. I, I still gave this four stars. Um, I, I wouldn't go to to five um you know seven samurai is five uh but this is four yeah um and so yeah like uh, you kind of hit all the all the bullet points like this is so heavily star wars um from the opening like i knew the reason i wanted to watch this was because it was something that had influenced pop culture in such a huge way yeah and i was like i just kind of have to see it and from the opening scene you've got the two characters and immediately i'm like oh that's r2 and (laughs) c3po like immediately and um and so just like the way that they are um kind of bumbling through this bigger story is very reminiscent of what george did with all the star wars films you know the first six um and and yeah i think that um i think ultimately you're right there's a little bit of the john carter syndrome in it like i've seen a lot of this before but i haven't necessarily seen it presented this way in this setting um and i also haven't seen it like one of the reasons why i love unapologetically love john carter is because i can put my brain in the mindset of like what would it have been like if I had seen this years ago or read this story years ago before Star Wars, before all of the derivatives? And uh, and and I can say, like, there's merit to this. And so The Hidden Fortress is the same way to me. I can put myself back in 1958 and say there's something special here so much so that it has inspired a, an entire generation of filmmakers um, to make something great out of um or let me rephrase that because you guys know i'm kind of star wars hater sometimes um it it's something that once was great um and now has been muddled down but um but yeah you know i i really enjoyed the comedic elements of this i felt like it was funny i felt like it was adventurous um it's different for Tashir Mifune because normally he plays like this hardened, uh, like samurai type character. And it, he's not, not that here, but More he's also, veneer. yeah, he's also funny. Like yeah. he's very Han Solo here. Like, <laughs> um, again, I hate to keep comparing it, but it's true. Sure. He is kind of this scoundrel who, yeah, he's, embittered and whatever else but he's also playing it up and he's not afraid to like laugh at people like at the r2 and c3po type characters he's he's laughing at them and um and yeah like i and 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 simultaneously like annoyed by them and so you get like he's not just this stoic you know tough guy like he has played before instead he's going to be um just like a person um and so (laughs) So, yeah, like I, I enjoyed the comedy of it. I enjoyed the adventure of it. Um, it has this this thing where a lot of older films and especially those that are a little bit longer in length kind of 
suffer, or we would say maybe they suffer from this. Um, I don't know that it's really suffering, but, um, but we might say that they're suffering from this feeling of like padding the runtime with like, now we're going to go here and see these people. And now we're going to go here and see these people and get into this predicament. But like that, even though that storytelling trope, um, has largely been moved to television, um, it still exists. I mean, it reminded me of something like the Pirates of the Caribbean, where you have like this is sort of similar in that you have you know the two characters from the first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Um, I can't remember their names. The guy, the, with, the guy that played Dwight's character on yeah, uh, the Pintel well, and Rigetti. Okay, Pintel uh, and Rigetti. Actually, I memorized the actors' names. Believe it or not, their names okay. are Mackenzie Crook and Lee Ehrenberg. Okay, got it. So You're I, welcome, I just know gentlemen, him, because I, <laughs> I think I'm the only person on earth who can do that at a win. <laughs> I, I might could have come up with Mackenzie Crook just yeah. because I love The Office. Right. Um, but the other guy is just like, oh, that guy that parked where George Costanza was trying to park in that one episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> like that. Um, and uh, but but it's it's there, too. Like it's those two characters. It's just imagine if they were the kind of the protagonists or like the characters right. that we we wow they're really very much on. like them actually it's very similar and semi-cowardly self-interested yeah. yeah exactly and and pirates is structured in a similar way where you have okay we're gonna go here and see these pirates and we're gonna go here and see these weird characters and go here and see this place and and it's like this these vignettes of place uh and character um and and these wacky settings and hijinks that they get into um and so it, it pirates is not dissimilar from this um but but obviously i mean star wars is the big one you know it's hey we've got to go to cloud city now hey we got to go over here now hey we right. got to go to indoor hey we got to go here. and it's it's like that sort of thing um and granted, that's over the course of a trilogy, but like the, the structure still exists. And, and then like Pirates 3 is like overload where it's like, gotta go here, go here, go here, do this. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like nonsense. But there's at least a germ, I think, of that type of structure here. Yeah. Um, and, and then especially focusing, focusing the story on characters that we might otherwise overlook is, is a very smart move because Toshiro Mifune could have been the protagonist here. Um, but they kind of let it be these two unassuming dudes that we get to experience it through because, uh, I'm not saying that we, we relate to them because like, it, they're not like avatars for the audience necessarily, but it's almost, it's also almost like, um, Shakespearean in a way. It's like, we're going to be told this larger story from the point of view of these smaller characters. Um, and so I can imagine this on the stage. Yeah. Um, and, and Rosa so anyway, Cranston, all, Gildenstern are dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And so, so the Lion you know, King one and a half, <laughs> the Lion King one and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's just the germ of where so much came from. Yeah. We have such a, a wealth of story structure and character ideas that pulled Again, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not a film historian to the extent that I could say this is where things started. But certainly if this popularized it enough for George Lucas to grab hold of it, it's probably a pretty good starting point to say like this is um, th this was notable yeah. um, and we're still feeling the ripple effects from it today. So so I gave it four stars. 
I really enjoyed it. I would recommend finishing it. Um, but you know, there again, no harm, no foul if you don't. Um, and, and I may not mention it on this podcast, but there is a movie that I started and could not finish for the life of me, um, recently. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just tease you with that. Oh, I am teased. Yeah. I'm very teased. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cause that, that's, that's very rare. Usually I can stick it out. I've got an hour left to go in this. Maybe I can, maybe I can power through, but I, I very recently just made the decision, like, I'm not doing that anymore. If, if yeah. I'm, if I'm, if I'm an hour in or if I'm past, if, I, if I'm into the second act and I don't care, I, I don't care who's the director I'm stopping. I'm, I'm past the halfway mark in this film and I'm in, in this film that I'm talking about now. And, yeah. and it's, uh, Lord of mercy. It's a slog, I but I know people love it. So I'm like, man, is it just that I need to get to the end of this? Or like, I, there's a part of me that's like, I've sunk too much time into this garbage. I got to finish it. But why? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I, mm. I've got too much, too much stuff that I could be watching, you know, other than finishing the second hour of a movie I don't enjoy. So yeah, for sure. Can't do it. All right. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk about one more movie. And then we're out of here. Yes, sir. Woo. Normally, this is the part where I um, talk about what's new on streaming, but the article I normally load from TV Guide isn't up yet. It's too early in the month, I guess. So I didn't want to look that hard <laughs> to, into individual lists on Netflix and Amazon. So um, there's plenty of cool stuff. There's um, If you want to watch something interesting, I suppose, um, there's a couple of, I don't know, um, YouTube videos I was checking out recently about 32 hour work week i I got turned on to that concept it's just it's been out it's been a concept that's out there for a while but um for some reason i decided to look up videos on it just to figure out like why why do we why do we work a 40 hour five day work week so there's there's some cool stuff out there uh i'm not can't remember i can't tell you man one of them's by the atlantic i know it's about this company in portland and then there's another one but for, for 20 minutes it's a more of a deep dive if you search 32 hour work week on youtube you'll and you go to the uh atlantic one you'll find the other one i don't have the channels pulled up because i didn't realize i was gonna recommend those till just now so mm. happy hunting <laughs> <laughs> all right the film we're here we're gonna talk about tonight uh for the rest of the show for the next 15 10 15 minutes or so is uh the newest film by sony pictures animation this is on netflix you can check it out right now the film is the mitchells versus the machines every family has its challenges We haven't had a good family picture in years because you two are always arguing. For my family, our greatest challenge... Probably the robot apocalypse. Attention all robots. Capture every single person on the planet. Yeah! What would a functional family do? Butterfly formation! That is a little bit from the trailer for The Mitchells versus The Machines. As I said, this is the newest film uh, by by the studio Sony Pictures Animation, which is the same 
uh, studio responsible for Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, which is an excellent film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as a studio, they are doing fairly well in the animation game lately. Um, partially due to the uh, oversight of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who've done several films in directing and producing capacities for Sony, notably the Claudio the Chance of Meatballs films. Of course, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse producing this film which is directed by Michael Rianda. Um, so this came out uh, recently and um, we just happened to click around and watch the, we'll do this. We'll watch, you know, kids movies on streaming on the weekends sometimes. And sometimes we pick stuff that's just unremarkable and we just sort of, I talk about it on the show because I saw it and I, yep. I feel obligated to tell people what I think about it. Um, so I gave this movie Three and a half stars. Okay. I enjoyed it. Um, wow, I did that thing again where I start to give an opinion. I don't even tell people what it's about. It's basically about a family, the Mitchells. <laughs> um, they're a self, self, self-diagnosed self weird family who happens to take a road trip um, at the same time that an, an AI at a tech company, an Apple-esque tech company, has um, mobilized humanoid robots to capture and enslave the human race and the Mitchells avoid capture. And so now it's up to them to save the world and they're an incredibly dysfunctional family, but they somehow have to come together and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What's unique about the movie is I think the animation style. Sony's done a good job of sort of going the other way from (laughs) how do you go the other way from more than one thing? You got Pixar, (laughs) which is like this polished, you know, um, clean animation style. Um, You've got DreamWorks and Blue Sky that seem to be going just bonkers with their with their character design in ways that are strange. Like I just real quick, I hate the character design of the Despicable Me films. I hate it so much. I hate the proportions mm-hmm. of the buildings. I just hate looking at something where I go, people don't live in those. What are you yeah. doing? So yeah. anyway, so and then you've got other films that just have no design sense at all. There's just characters and here we go. Um, and so what I like about the Sony animation animated films thus far is that they have at least the last two spider verse was extremely artistic. And this film does a similar thing with its animation where it really seems inspired by 2d. Um, and you've, you've got, you know, blending of, like um you know 3d animation as well with the robots and they kind of sort of blend them together once they encounter each other but what i really like is um that the jokes in this film are so quick and um uh i don't know it's just one of those films that felt like you could make a bunch of horrible choices with it and instead they just kept the pace tight they kept the jokes quick, but not like linger on them. There's plenty of stuff that's in the background for you to notice if you feel like noticing it. And um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I gave it three stars. Um, I, I didn't hate it, but um, I thought it was unremarkable. Like it's better than some other original uh, 3D animated films that have come out in recent years, like Storks or Smallfoot. Um, it's better than those. Um, and, and part of that is you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Part of that is it's artistic sensibility. It very much feels like directors made this and yeah. not just like a studio, um, you know, we animated some things. It's yeah. like someone with a vision said, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Like we've got these 3d models, but we're going to kind of make them look painterly or we're going to make them look like we've used markers or, or whatever. But, um, 
like there are actually some parts where you can see like for lack of a better term it's like they've put a filter over the character model that makes it look a little bit 2d or something i don't i i don't know what they've done here but right. it's unique and it definitely looks unique um ultimately my thoughts were, were two things one this feels like the movie of a tv series that i haven't seen um it feels very much like in the vein of like the wild thornberries movie or the rugrats movie and probably oh, what my yeah. parents felt like watching that, like, I haven't seen any of this. I don't know what any of this is happening. I just brought right. my son to the movies and I don't understand what <laughs> any of this is. Like part of it, this feels a little bit like that. Like this should be the like, hey, it's time to go off to college. And it's like, well, I've seen three seasons where right. she's in high school. She's in high school. You know, and and I've gotten to know her. And so this kind of feels like weird. Um so that's one thing. Huh. Um, I couldn't shake that feeling. Sure. And the main the main thing was uh, there is nothing that this film offers me that the that a goofy movie didn't already offer me. This is almost <laughs> beat for beat a goofy movie. Um, I was talking about this with Kellen actually recently, and because he watched it too, and and we were both struck by like, dude, this is a goofy movie. Um, down down to the Rick Mitchell special where he's like, you got to go up the hill and across the stream and do all that stuff. And it's like, that's the perfect cast, bro. Like, th this has been done before. And the wow. whole idea is I got to gotta take Maxi to college. Uh -huh. You know, that's not, I'm, I'm blending the two here, but like, that's the thought. Is like I gotta I gotta go on a road trip to reconnect with my wayward teenage sure. child. Um, sure. Sure. And, and, and it feels very much like that. It's just imagine if a goofy movie as perfect as that is, by the way, that's a five-star film, uh, <laughs> as perfect as a goofy movie is. Imagine if they just decided halfway through, like, oh, also there's a end of the world Armageddon plot. <laughs> oh, gosh, Maxie. You know, like it, oh, it, wouldn't, it doesn't take over the world. <laughs> it does not gel. And, um, I, for me, that was that was one of the things is like this is a goofy movie, but less focused. And mm -hmm. it has like it's trying to say something about the way that we consume technology and the way that it's in, ingrained into our <laughs> lives. But it's sure. like, but that's kind of two different messages. It, it feels so unfocused to me. To be like, hey, reconnect with family because family is important. Also, phones are evil, you know, or whatever they're trying to say. It just feels. Ah, I got it, too. Um, it just feels strange to me to, like, connect these two ideas together. Um, and and the only the only like connective tissue to it is that that the dad is like, I don't like technology, you know, and, you know, and Right yeah. when you said about the time phones are evil, that's when the thunder started. So you might want to cool it with those <laughs> accusatory statements. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say this: um, they, the I think that there was it was a temp uh, title for this movie was connected. It was Mitchell mm. versus the machines, and then when and then they changed it to connected. And then when Netflix uh. secured the distribution rights, Netflix and Sony are both like, "Hey, this sucks!" Right. And like, yeah. yeah, and they changed the name back. I guess that's it was really like bland, heavy handed and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As far as kids fair goes, I would rate it above the fray in terms of um, something that the family can enjoy. It's going to have enough quick, you know, goofy stylistic 
things in it to keep children entertained. Um, but I feel like there's the, the difference between this and a lot of other stuff out there is that there's something for adults too. There's little, there's a lot there for, 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 for adults that are just normally not in other trash. Um, sure. I think for streaming, you know, this, this is a, a solid choice. I would have recommended people see this in theaters. Had I seen it in theaters, I would have recommended taking kids to it and, you know, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd go three and a half for me. What was your actual star rating? Three. 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 Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't hate it, but, uh, and there's a couple of really solid laughs in here and, yeah. and you know, there's, there's a handful of moments where it's like, oh, that's cute. And like, I can see like, oh, sentimentality. Yeah, sure. Um, me being the robot I am, I'm like, you know, whatever, but, but I, I you know, I feel like, um, it, it does what it tries to do and it does it well. My problem is it's been done before and, and I can't shake the feeling that this is just a goofy movie. Sure. And then, and then at the same time, um, it, despite its laugh and its laughs and despite its, um, clear directorial vision, um, I will say that the, I, the, these things that pop up over, what's happening on screen that are like little animated, like, again, I'm going to use the word like filters, like yeah, pop-ups it's and these kind of things. Um, they can sometimes be okay. Um, yeah. but sometimes they overdid it. And sometimes it was a little annoying. My power just flickered. Oh, um, but, um, it, but yeah, I think that, um, I, you know, it, it, again, th- there's also a sense in which, and this is my last thing, there's also a sense in which, um, I'm, I'm almost predisposed to be against animated films that rely too heavily on current modern pop culture or modern sensibilities like, um, you know, like Facebook or sure. we're all on Instagram. Yeah. Here's a Snapchat filter. And yeah. it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. This I, is I not going to age just, well. I just accepted that as I'm getting too old to resist things like this becoming part yeah. of children's films. Sure. Uh, the other day I picked up my daughter and she was, I was like, oh, how, how was school? And she was like, how was the extended day? And she was like, cool. Um, me and Rowan were looking at cat memes. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. She's like, cat memes. It's like, okay, great. My daughter's cool. seven. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just I feel like that's just the winds of change coming down the pike and us old geezers sure. are, are are we're going to that's going to, you know, it, it yeah. won't be a part of films that we enjoy gr- t- to a large extent, but it'll be part of films that we can seminally enjoy. I, I think I think that th- there's always been that in, in animated films anyway, like yeah. to, to devil's advocate my own point here. Uh, like even if we look at a goofy a goofy movie like, yeah, there's some maybe it's not necessarily related to tech, uh, but there's definitely some of the time things. I mean, Powerline is a clear Michael Jackson ripoff and, um, and you know, there's eight track tapes and uh, you know, uh, Max has, you know, a a PJ has a camera that he's shooting Max on. And like, like there's, there's dated things in that too. I mean, and and, and there is, um, I I think, I think what's stuck in my crawl with this is that there is a lot of it, um, but at the same time, I don't know that if I were in the in in the position to rewrite the film that I would remove it because it is very integral to what the character is. Like Katie is this age and she she's a filmmaker. So, of yeah. course, she's going to embrace a lot of the social aspects of, uh, you know, 
of the internet and you know i don't know anyway yeah i mean you know whatever i'm an old man and uh <laughs> whatever so we'll we'll see but but three stars three stars i would say watch the goofy movie first um and get the emotion that you're that you would that you can get the maximum emotion you can get maximum uh that you can get from this sort <laughs> of um, um, um um but uh then you could watch this after if you want yeah. uh, a different take on that sort of concept and with less emotional involvement maybe yeah i don't know yeah. goodness gracious it's I coming would say down so. um all right dustin that'll do us this week i think um yes sir all right well uh until next time my friend until next time cheers to you and cheers to everybody listening stay goofy <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't expecting that <laughs> <laughs>